Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of Gamesphere. So I've been playing a few games this week, which I will be sharing my experiences, of course, with you today. So uh, I'm going to be taking a look at The Secrets of Grindia, a game that seems to uh, be perpetually in early access, but still worth a look in my opinion, nevertheless. I have been playing... The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion on the hardest difficulty, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I've also been playing a couple of multiplayer games, which I uh, would like to talk about too. Uh, but first, yes, The Secrets of Grindir, which actually there is a multiplayer element to that game, and a few friends of mine have been playing it. I have mostly been on the single-player mode, but in fact there have been people telling me that they probably wouldn't have gotten into the game at all if it wasn't for the cooperative single-player element, uh, which as I understand it is quite entertaining. So the single-player uh, parts of the game that I've been enjoying have been the uh, roguelike uh, sort of arcade mode where you uh, choose your character. It's by and large a pixel art RPG game, but this uh, there's a mode that that puts it in the uh, you know makes it a bit roguelikey, and there's more of a traditional RPG story adventure section, uh, which also then has the multiplayer role playing element to it uh, as well. Uh, but the uh, the roguelike part is you build your character, you get a new character at the beginning of every playthrough. Uh, you can uh, level up as you progress through a uh, procedurally generated dungeon and uh, it's rather as simple as that. I must admit I've not gotten too far into it simply because I'm not great at the combat and tend to get quite easily overwhelmed. That's just a lack of skill on my part I guess but um, <laughs> I, d I certainly do find it fun and I do actually find roguelikes quite fun even though it's a genre of game that I'm not particularly good at but the story adventure and I've really only spent a couple of hours in this so uh, don't take this as a complete review but just more of a first impressions and I'll probably come back to the game or I'll probably come back to it on this channel uh, when I've played it a little bit further and probably gone through the multiplayer. But the story is kind of like, it does have that, it has a little bit of a JRPG vibe to it, similar to what you might get out of the Pokemon games that you start off with, obviously, your 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 starting character. You can customise your character. Um, first off, you can customise them cosmetically at the beginning, but then as you progress, uh, you can choose whether or not to specialise in one of the forms of melee combat, whether or not, or you know, you want to go into archery, or the four types of elemental magic. Now, I've been focusing my my main character on uh, being um, a, a, like an earth mage so that's you know like a magic based character that uses earth magic which is pretty cool um, but yeah you can use like fire magic and like air magic and ice magic and all this kind of stuff as well as yeah like archery and all that or, or a mixture between the two and the game is actually very very forgiving in how you attribute your points you can uh, refund your points. You can actually switch specializations of your character with basically zero penalty, as I understand it, um, which does allow you to sink quite a few hours into a game, but not have that sort of regret of a bad decision you made hours ago or or anything like that. Like it's a forgiving game in this department, and I 
I kind of like that. Like, I, I don't know whether or not I've softened a little in old age or I've just changed how I approach, how, how I play my games. But, um, I, I do appreciate having a little bit of forgiveness in, in, in games. And, uh, I think as I get older, I, I find myself being a little bit more forgiving in terms of playing on lower difficulties as well, just in, in, in games in general. Um, because uh, I guess maybe it's because uh, enjoying a game is 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 more important than becoming good at it. I guess in 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 my mind, and if you're constantly overwhelmed or you constantly feel like you're, uh, uh, yeah, constantly feel like you're overwhelmed or or, or anything like that, that that it can just sort of push you off a game. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me or, or what have you. But the thing about uh, uh, Secrets of Grindir as well is that. Uh, as the name sort of subtly implies, there's, there can be a fair bit of grinding in this game. So you come up against a, a particular mission um, and you're not good enough for it, you can go away and you can start um, uh, grinding away at, at killing various critters in the environment and eventually you'll become a, a high enough level that you'll be able to co- overcome anything eventually uh, if you just sort of put in enough time. So it's not necessarily going to be the most challenging game if you're just willing to grind. Uh, or there are, or if you decide to sort of master the mechanics of the game, you can sort of shortcut that and beat levels at a lower character level if you're just willing to get good as they say. Um, so it does give a good deal of scope, even though the options um, and everything like that are quite straightforward. Uh, the leveling up process is, is quite straightforward and also very forgiving. Um, it allows you a lot of scope in how you can approach uh, your, your your the combat element of the game. There are some games that are... Um, uh, just fetch quests or some such similar thing. I'm not, you know, uh, and 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 that's kind of charming in the way that it appears in in many other RPGs. Now, I, I will say this game is not really exceptional in any way. I did enjoy the pixel art, but it's not especially, uh, be- you know, like it's 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 good pixel art. It's solid pixel art. It's it's great for the atmosphere, but it's not going to uh, move you. It's not. It's not. Um, you know, I don't want to say there's nothing special about it, but it's it's sort of relatively standard pixel art for the genre. Uh, the the gameplay mechanics they're great. It's great. It's not groundbreaking, but it's great. It's fun. Um, the uh, the 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 character building again. It's not complex. I I do not like complex character building. I do like the straightforwardness of it and how magic works in the character and in the game is simple and straightforward. I like that. I really dislike complex uh, magic systems in fantasy games. It just uh I don't know. It's just it just it 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 doesn't move me. It doesn't grab me. So I think that Secrets of Grindia gets a lot right and uh and it's a game that's been in uh, in in development for a while. The last uh, update, if I remember correctly, was the 18th of December, so only a couple of days ago. Uh, and it does seem to be uh, moving forward. It's almost like one of those games that, like, says it's an early access. It, like, I ca- I came across it as like zero bugs playing it. Um, so it just seems to me like as the content is being added to the game, it will wear the moniker of, of of early access so i know that some people do not like buying early access games so take that on board but the game to me did not feel incomplete although like i say like i've only been playing 
um, it for for only only a couple of hours now. But then again, I've known people that have been playing on that game for more than ten hours. And uh, to be honest, um, it's uh, it's not a particularly uh, expensive game. I'm just going to check on the store page to see how much it was. So the game is ten pounds ninety nine. So I would imagine that's probably about fifteen American dollars. Um, and if you can get a good 10 to 15 hours out of it, I would personally say that's worth the price. Obviously, that's going to be very subjective to you, you know, whether or not you consider the uh, dollars per gameplay hour to be um, to, to be a good identifier as to whether or not a game uh, has, has value for money. Uh, I mean, again, when you're looking at, at games like that, do you count, take into account grinding? Like, you can easily spend many hours just grinding away at, at, at building your character up and becoming a mighty mage or a great swordsman or woman. Um, and, uh, and, and you wouldn't necessarily consider them premium gameplay hours, though, would you? Uh, but yeah, the game is, is charming. Um, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's kind of chill. Like I, I was playing. Like when I was doing the um, getting the gameplay footage, and, uh, and and as I was working my way through it, I was in, I was enjoying a podcast in the background. Um, so it could be one of those games, kind of chill. And I'm really really enjoying the chill games these days. So yeah, I mean, take that for um, for what you wish. Uh, but yeah, if you're just looking for a, a sort of a cozy chill RPG. Uh, yeah, this isn't this isn't too bad. This is not too bad at all. Um, but like like many of my friends who have, who have also played the game, they say it's not groundbreaking. It's not uh, it's not game of the year material by their standards. It's it's not going to make my game of the year list. But it's kind of fun. Um, I've heard good things about the multiplayer elements. I'll try and get uh, get to that soon. And um, not a bad game. So. Uh, yeah, on that note, I think it is probably time to uh, to go to our first ad read. This episode of GameSphere is brought to you by, of course, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control over your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the GameSphere podcast and the Destination Linux network, you can get started for free. And in fact, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a hundred dollars of credit when you sign up by going to do.co slash dln. That's do.co forward slash dln. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of the GameSphere and for generally being kind to the Destination Linux network. Thank you very much, DigitalOcean. As uh, Wonderful. 
So I've just finished recording a playthrough on my gameplay channel that has actually been quite popular. It's of the fourth Elder Scrolls game, Oblivion. Uh, the twist is that I've been playing it on the hardest, hardest difficulty, which is uh, quite well known as being... Uh, disproportionately difficult, ridiculously difficult, um, so difficult that the game is is fundamentally unplayable. And I've kind of been sort of taking on the challenge. Now I finished it um, before on the on the hardest difficulty, but I've never um, sort of cr sort of chronicled my 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 journey through it. Uh, the only way that I've ever managed to to play through that game is by being very uh, gamey by by looking at all the game rules by uh, sort of manipulating the game world in incredibly cheap ways that are far and away removed from the you know the immersive storytelling style of the game. So uh, for those of you that are unaware, uh, and I, I you know the, the Oblivion might be quite old now, so there might be some people who have, who are unaware of the Elder Scrolls series or particularly the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Uh, in my opinion, one of the better Elder Scrolls game, uh, you can choose uh, a, a role-playing game, an action role-playing game perhaps, where you build a character, you can choose from any number of races with any number of abilities, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you can build a, a stealth-based character, a magic-based character, a fighting-based character, and then you go off into an open world, you take on quests, uh, there is a main quest, there are uh, quests related to your character build, like um, a Thieves Guild quest, which will test your abilities of stealth, and Mages Guild quest, quests, which are supposed to test your abilities as a mage, but they're not particularly interesting quests, we all know it. Uh, then there's Fighters Guild quests, where you can you do quests related to your fighting abilities. There are also many other quests. Quests where you're an assassin. Uh, quests where you're doing tasks or the bidding of various gods in the world. And the game is, is in my opinion, uh, really quite interesting. I love the atmosphere of it. The soundtrack is amazing. The colours and the style, the graphical style of it, I think holds up really quite well. Although many people I know will disagree with me on that one. The one thing I think that everyone disagrees with is that the facial animations were not particularly or have not aged particularly well. And having, th I think it's like three voice actors do the role of hundreds of characters in the world is definitely not great for immersion. The game that preceded it, Morrowind, the third Elder Scrolls game, had mostly text-based dialogue, which uh, was not voiced, and in my mind, worked a lot better. Now, I know that when they came to develop in Oblivion, they had this idea that they wanted to, to make it more mainstream. They wanted to bring it out to people who were not necessarily willing to read pages upon pages upon pages of dialogue to work out what to do in a quest to really, you know, the, the, they wanted to engage with gamers that were not necessarily going to throw themselves in to the narrative depths of this incredibly sub substantive world uh, just so that they could get from the beginning to the end of the game. Like They wanted to appeal to, uh, you know, more casual gamers as well as your, you know, your RPG nerds and, uh, and, and everyone in between. And, you know, they made some missteps, as they always do, especially when you try and uh, broaden um, a game that's made its name as as being, you know, like particularly good in its niche and then sort of bringing it, you know, expanding it beyond that niche. Uh, we've, we see it time and time again, and it, in many ways it kind of is this uh, problem with this 
idea of 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 um of of companies taking like an intellectual property that's done well and trying to make it like push it to do even better uh, obviously that's like from a company's point of view something rather sensible and straightforward to do you take something that that has a core fan base that people really like and quite frankly will buy the game depending on whether or not it's good or bad or buy the next one in the series because they are personally invested in the series um and and then try and broaden it out so that you, you capture a wider a wider audience um it's you know selling a certain number of games is like no longer enough they have to sell as many as possible at any cost it seems in in, in many ways anyway maybe i'm just being cynical but um uh, but it certainly seems that they they sort of trended in that direction under the stewardship of todd howard uh, and and skyrim is like to me an even larger broadening and the further down the elder scrolls road it seems to go nowadays i gotta admit the less interested i get um but you know like i say i'm just cynical at this point <laughs> but uh but anyway oblivion is quite good despite having huge glaring faults huge glaring faults but uh, there was just a charm to that game and i think they captured a really beautiful atmosphere with it as well like you know if you were a thief i felt like a thief if i was a warrior like you know a knight in shining armor i felt like a knight in shining armor if i was a, a mage trying to master the mysteries of the other world I felt like that. Like it just, it, for me, it captured this, this great way of actually building a character how I wanted to build a character using re reasonably simple parameters. Um, there were, I think, one of the big problems with Oblivion, if we're completely honest, and I think a lot of people saw this, is also the leveling. So this used a leveling system where as you would progress through the level, so you'd get better, you build up your skills, and then as you built up your skills, you would increase your character level. And as you increased your character level, the levels of the enemies around you also raised. And the levels or and the quality of the loot that you would find in various dungeons would raise in accordance with your level. So you had this very sort of fluid way of transitioning through the game where you were a level one character. You'd go off and do whatever you wanted. If you want to do Thieves Guild quests, you do Thieves Guild quests. If you want to do Dark Brotherhood quests, you know, the Assassin quest, then you go and do them. If you want to do the main quest, you go and do that. But all throughout all of those quests, you would remarkably find gear and rewards that would be just fitting to your level. You'd never, you'd never find something that was, uh, that would ever give you a massive edge in, 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 in the game, uh, nor would you, really find stuff that was well i mean you would find stuff that was beneath you stuff that wasn't worth picking up as you always tend to do in these games but you would never find anything that really excelled and in morrowind by comparison there would be really good stuff hidden about the world but you would it would be hidden in dungeons with uh that would be guarded by high level uh creatures so if you were a low level you just you just go in that dungeon and, and you just get booted out pretty sharply shall we say and you'd have to come back when you were stronger and it, i think that would that sort of gave you a good in-game lesson as it were is um yeah don't take on challenges until you're ready for them uh, fundamentally um whereas with any quest in, in oblivion for the most part you could just take on uh, and it would be leveled accordingly i think there might be some some exceptions to that regarding the dlc and and, and uh, the shivering isles dlc which is really good i really enjoyed that as well i love what it brought to the game very weird like think of the uh fantasy rpg version of alice in wonderland it's 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 quite something but i re you know like you gotta love the creativity in in that regard so 
I've got a lot of good things to say about that game. It truly is quite a big part of, of why I, I enjoy games as, as much as I do. Um, it's also available on GOG. Um, you know, it's, um, I haven't shout out GOG in, in uh, on this podcast uh, yet, but uh, yeah, I've got a lot of games on the GOG.com uh, game store. I was playing it on the hardest difficulty. The um, the series is still unfolding over on on my gaming channel, Gaming with Werewolves. Yeah, like I, I I did actually find myself looking at the rules of the game, looking at how difficulty is affected, and difficulty is affected in a very 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 straightforward way. It the difficulty slider only affects combat. So if the middle of the difficulty slider is one v one, you hit with one damage. Uh, your opponents will hit with one damage. You're equally, for the most part, matched, right? If you have it on the easiest of uh, of difficulties, uh, you will hit... Uh, if you hit... Uh, no, if your opponent hits with one damage, you will hit with six damage, right? So you have that six to one uh, advantage uh, on them. And then um, vice versa with the hardest difficulty. So... Um, your opponent will hit with six times the damage that you will be able to hit them, giving you an absolute massive uh, disparity in uh, damage and, and, and survivability of damage. And it, it kind of, um, despite being ridiculously difficult, it does actually make you think incredibly strategically in a lot of different ways. And it kind of in some ways... It, it, I'm not going to say it feels realistic because the thing is, it's like when you can get killed in a couple of blows of a sword, but your opponent, you can be there swinging a sword, bang, 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 again, 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 again. That doesn't, you know, they feel, oh, I suppose you'd usually use the term bullets, bullet spongy, sword spongy. Um, but having that, um, having that, that, Knowing that that a one clean sweep of sword would kill you makes you approach the game entirely differently, and that's really kind of interesting. That's really kind of good. Like it makes you treat your enemies like they are to be feared, even the lower level ones. And I like that. Um, it's you. You don't go through a dungeon just killing everything in your path. You're not this massive, mighty creature anymore. You can only defeat uh, your. You can only get through the game with stealth basically and magic assisted stealth at that um one of the things that i do actually tend to that now there is a great element of stealth in in oblivion they do stealth really well for a game that does you know combat and magic and everything else right and a game that touches on so many different aspects you know it's never going to be as good as as a direct stealth game like for example the hitman franchise however they do stealth as well as you could possibly get from a from a action role playing game of of that type they you know they they do it as uh, really as well as, as they could do but one of the criteria i consider a failing at when you look at a stealth game is whether or not there's a an invisibility option whether or not it's done through magic or like technology or any other kind of game mechanic if your stealth character can turn invisible that to me just indicates that either the level design is wrong or level design is not wrong, but like not as good as it could be, that the stealth mechanics are not as refined as they could be. There is something wrong there, one way or the other, that require that 
that having this this invisibility option like has to fill in um because the the stealth in other capacities does not work as well and i think this does is shown in oblivion it's shown in oblivion because a mage can fundamentally do stealth better than a thief and i don't think that should be the case in any you know fantasy rpg kind of game like a thief should always be the master of stealth uh it just it just it just feels it feels wrong regardless but no like uh because a thief does not use magic unless their character is specifically sanctioned to unless it's built into the character build or unless that character goes out of the way to learn magic um but in in the core pure thief run of a of a game using all of the thief traits all of the thief skills uh you know you do not have invisibility in the same way that if you were a mage playing a you know like a pure mage all the mage skills all the mage you know bits and pieces that go along with it uh, a mage can then become invisible and just out thief a thief using just using their skill set like and and oblivion in particular is very 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 uh overpowered like they they use the the illusion skill the skill that makes you turn invisible that is way overpowered way overpowered uh, especially towards the the higher levels and of course with the, with the oblivion game you can uh, you can grind very easily your your magic skills up magic skills in particular are very easy to grind uh, and as a result you can become a very powerful mage by do by by challenging yourself very little so you can build up this very powerful mage character in a very easy but grindy way to actually defeat the game using stealth better than a stealth character and i kind of kind of dislike that like i know that in the elder scrolls games in many ways the idea of magic is the embodiment of gaming the world and this is also seen in in Morrowind and in fact in Morrowind one of the main character one of the um, more important characters refers to uh the i think it's the higher levels of magic which is a subtle reference to the ability to save and reload being like the ultimate uh magical power that you can have in a game uh, which I always thought was a bit cute. It was always a bit like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, like I get what you do. There's a little bit of fourth wall break in there, a little bit, uh, which I, um, which I did uh, find to be quite amusing. So it was a challenge. I had to manipulate the game a lot. Um, I had to manipulate the leveling system a lot, and in ways that I didn't necessarily anticipate, but. I did it, and I did win. I did complete the game, so I can tell you that now. Spoiler alert for those of you that that are looking on um, to to see how my uh, how my adventures on the channel fold out. Uh, but I've completely got the game, so the game is um, the gameplay videos are, are being rolled out on my channel uh, weekly, which is kind of cool. And uh, and yeah, they seem to be pretty popular on my my channel, which uh, not, you know not 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 to brag, but uh, um, yeah, for those of you that are fond of the game. Uh, I have been asked to try and, and go through the game in, in non-magical capacity because of these reasons of grindiness and because of these reasons of gaming this, the gaming system uh, a little bit too much. I must say maybe. The thing is, when it comes to the highest difficulty, combat on the highest difficulty in Oblivion, is in a 1v1 battle, maybe. But the trouble is, if you're fighting someone... And then someone else comes at your side. You, you, you're done for. You're donezo, mate. And uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how you do that. You, you know, you'd have to. Would you have to like 
bottleneck them in a narrow corridor? What if there's not a narrow corridor? Uh, how do you deal with magic? Yada, yada, yada. There's a lot to do there and, and uh, is a challenge. I might think about it. I might come back to it. But uh, for all intents and purposes, I had a good time. I really did enjoy the game. I must admit, I think I would have had more fun if I didn't. I think with Oblivion, I think I have more fun when I don't use magic. In the same way that with most games, if there is a non-combat option, I have more fun playing the non-combat option. I like the idea of using your mind to get through these obstacles that seemingly require violence. And I, I, you know, I love the idea of thinking outside the, the, the sort of the, the violent archetype of so many games. Uh, and that's why I kind of like stealthing games. I don't mind magic when it's done well, but magic is, is done poorly quite regularly so um there we go because i you know it almost seems like the de facto paradigm of so many games is to is to approach with violence that when you have the option not to i always find that option the most interesting that's one of the reasons why that attracted me to the hitman franchise as well and there we go another episode where i have to mention hitman um but i did so previously actually but yeah but but it's it's that like even though the game is predicated on an act of violence in terms of assassinating people, um, you get marked up. You get given points and rewards for killing for for not killing anyone else other than your target. Um, the idea that that non-violence is rewarded in that game uh, really intrigues me. From uh, when I picked up Hitman Two: Silent Assassin many many years ago. Um, and the idea of being rewarded for not killing people in a game, that was kind of novel to me. I really, really liked that. Uh, or the idea of being able to approach a level any number of ways and um, and all of those ways having, you know, having value, which I, I thought was great for, for creative problem solving. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but Oblivion's a little bit like that as well. Like you get given a problem, you get given a a level particularly in some of the side levels and depending on your character depends on how you approach them whether or not you approach them with violence or whether or not you approach them by you know smooth talking or bribery or stealth or magic or whatever like you you know m many of the the levels they just provide you with the problem you know you're the one that has to come up with the solution that's pretty cool uh, yeah, but it was done I enjoyed it I think I'm going to come back to Oblivion uh, sometime in the future I don't know if I'll be coming out, uh, back at it with the highest difficulty. And feel free to to um, to answer this one in in the various feedback forms. You can uh, email and and link to the forum will be uh, included in in the show notes here because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. But uh, and and the comment on YouTube video as well if you wish. But do you folks ever get a little bit frustrated at games where you can adjust the difficulty mid game? I get that it can be quite forgiving. I get that for certain players, if you find yourself in a corner, having the option to make the game a little bit easier to get out of that corner, to make the game more enjoyable, and that's fundamentally why we play games at the end of the day. I get the value in that, but to me, having that ability right there and then, right in the options menu, like you'd get in Oblivion, like you had in a few games at that time, of just like being able to adjust that slider mid-game, and I know people who have used it both ways. Like I know people who have come up against an impossible challenge and have made the game easier. I also know people that have uh, found have become over leveled in the game, 
and have decided to make the game more difficult to to challenge themselves to actually give their character a continued sense of worth because if you're just knocking down everything in your path so easily the game loses its magic there like no fa- no fight seems consequential so um so it does certainly uh, go both ways but i've always kind of felt like it um that that it took away from committing to a to a difficulty in 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 the first place and i don't know i'd be interested to hear how other people uh feel about that perhaps you know like if there was a like a maybe a middle compromise would be that and i th- i think that some games probably do employ this where you have a particular achievement that gets unlocked for completing a game uh from beginning to end in a particular difficulty maybe but I don't know. It just it just to me feels a little bit strange like oh you're difficult well you can make the game a little bit easier. Um but then again, you know, plugging in you know 10 hours into a game and then suddenly realizing that you've set the wrong difficulty, you know, you you how many people are then going to go back and play the, the whole other 10 hours? You know, and 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 catch up. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. I'm sure there are great arguments on on either side of this. Um but yeah, and for those of you that haven't played it, I honestly I don't know whether or not this is one of those games that has 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 aged or, or I mean to me it's aged well, to others less so. I don't know how a person who has never played the game and would pick it up today would feel about it. Uh I know that for example the original Deus Ex uh, people who have picked it up like the game's 20 years old now and people picking it up today do not like it on the whole. Um, even people that like the genre and like the the themes of the game who push through hours upon hours upon hours of it still end up not liking it. Uh, whereas that game has not aged as well as it has to me um, because I fell in love with it at a time when it was more relevant. So It's strange how our perspective's different on these kind of things and uh, and all that. Okay, and uh, now for the second ad read of the podcast. All kinds of terrible things can happen when you don't take care of your digital security, and that, of course, includes your passwords. The password manager used and trusted by the Destination Linux network is Bitwarden. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a PIN to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all the things to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. To make things even better, Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host and their code is audited. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. The $10 a year premium account gets you a one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, time-based one-time password authenticator storage and generation, priority customer support. So, from the bottom of my heart, I would like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Gamesphere and for all around being a good egg to the Destination Linux Network. Thank you very much. 
So for many of us, games are a, a social enterprise, and um, and and in many cases that applies to me. I've got an old friend from school, and we catch up over a game of golf, or more specifically, golf with friends. So I thought I would talk a little bit about that game in this particular segment. It's a, a great game. I know that many of the Destination Linux Network folks have played it. I know that we've had game fests where we've played it. In fact, I've I've played it myself with uh, some of the good old Destination Linux crew. It's a great social game. Uh, it's one of those games that you can just pick up um, and 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 play for the first time, and in many cases, just like you know, do quite well. Uh, it is a, a a crazy mini golf kind of game. Crazy golf, mini golf. I I don't know the proper expression for it, but you know what I mean. Like it's the kind of golf where you knock it through a. A windmill, you know, that, that kind of golf thing. Uh, but a little bit wackier uh, than such. Uh, it's uh, certainly evolved a fair bit since I started playing it. It was originally called Golf with Friends, but I believe due to some kind of trademark intellectual property shenanigans, they had to change it to Golf with Your Friends, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's a golf game. It's a straightforward golf game. You can customize the rules. You've got public rooms. You've got private games. Um, you can, I believe, unlock various things, but I'm not too familiar with it. I've unlocked ver some uh, cosmetics myself, but I don't know what the various criteria for it is. Um, you can actually play it on GeForce now, so it's, and I quite enjoy that because it might not necessarily be a game I've got installed on any current system at any given time, but if some, uh, old friend shows up out of the blue and fancies a game, you know, I can just fire up the, uh, fire up a browser and, 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 uh, and, and get the game going. It's certainly become a lot more polished than it started. It started out being an incredibly janky game. Um, but now is 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 really quite smooth and, and fun to play. There's quite a few levels as well. Now I'm personally a good old fan of the forest levels. Those are the levels that I think most people will tend to play the most because casual players will kind of recognise them. But at the same time, um, they're also quite quite fun to play. Even though you know, even for people like myself who have played it, uh, played those levels quite a lot. Uh, we also played um, the space station levels, some of which are re uh, so the space PlayStation. Oh, what's the proper term for it? Course, I guess. Uh, the, the you know the eighteen hole course, uh, which for the most part is really good. I, I I did quite like that. There were some uh, uh some holes. Uh, sorry, I'm just getting mad around the old terminology there. There's some holes that were a little bit like. Each of the courses has like a like a gimmick. So the the sort of the beginning, the first, the default course is like just a forest. You know, you play some some golf through a forest. It's quite nice. It's very what you might expect out of a golf game. Um, but then there's a pirate themed course. There's an ancient Egypt themed course. Uh, there's a there's a Candyland uh, themed course. There's a pirates themed course. There's a worms like as in worms the game themed course. Uh, what else is there? There's a few, there's quite a few others actually as well. Uh, I don't even think I've played all of the courses because it's the kind of game where you'd like to play a course a few times over uh, and like to get familiar with courses because some of the courses are, are, are wacky enough that you, it really, really does help and benefit uh, you to actually just know vaguely how the course is put together. You don't have to be an expert, you never have to be an expert. It is one of those games where the uh, main objective is to have fun. You do have that social element to it. It's not super competitive. I'm sure some people take the competition too seriously, but if you want something where you can just have a chat over a game of golf, 
this is a really good game to do it. Uh, it's, you can you can adjust various timers and stuff like that as well if uh, you want to be particularly casual. Um, every course has a couple of holes that are just like n you know not great uh, that are a little bit frustrating. Uh, but we were playing the space station course, and and one of the things about that is that you have. Uh, like uh, singularities that can throw the ball off course, which is a bit peculiar. You've also got anti-gravity fields, so you kind of have to learn to play with those. That, that gets a bit uh, a bit wacky. I actually quite enjoyed the Candyland course. Now, I did not like the the assault on the eyes that is the Candyland course. Like that, it's too much color. It's so saccharine. It's something else. But the actual course itself, really quite fun. Really quite fun indeed. Um, but I did feel myself like getting a sugar high just just playing those levels. It really, really like it's the color scheme. It's something else, you know. Um, but uh, but fun set of levels there. Uh, I like the pirate levels as well. I like the ancient Egypt levels. Um, that can be quite fun. I think the last couple on that particular course are a little bit like bit. I don't know. Uh, Illogical, I guess. I mean, we're talking illogical about crazy golf, but, but you know, whatever. Um, but all in all, like, it's fun, and that's that's what uh, that's what what really matters in a game, isn't it? It's 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 fun. Uh, so, so yeah, I uh, I just thought I'd talk a little bit about it. It's a great game. Um, you can pick it up on Steam. You can play it on on GeForce Now. Uh, most people I know actually have that game. Like it is one of those games that many people pick up from time to time. Um, but it's a great social game if you want to catch up with some old friends. It's a great thing to do as you talk, you know. And um, yeah, like uh, what's more to say about it? Like it's not again. Again, it's not one of those games that's groundbreaking. It's not one of those games that's going to change your life. It's not going to be one of those games that you spend over a thousand hours on. I bet. But it's fun and it's enjoyable. And I do have fond memories of playing that game. And part of those fond memories are going to be the great company uh, that, that I've enjoyed playing that game, you know, with the people I've been playing that game with. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, that's enough. Like, if I'm having a good time, if I'm enjoying myself, if I am doing something which I feel is uh, adding to my life, by spending quality time with people I care about, um, and and this game sort of facilitates that in its way, um, I can't ask for more, really, can I? Uh, so, I uh, that's that's really all I've got to say about it. Really, all I got to say about it. So, uh, I think I'm going to wrap up there for today's podcast. Um, but thank you, as always, folks for joining me. I'm going to try and do some uh, some feedback session uh, do a feedback segment in next week's show. So please uh, any thoughts you have do feel free to email me. Uh, I will of course put the email uh, down in the uh, show notes uh, or if you're watching on YouTube the description. Um, but you can also catch me um in uh, you can catch all my social medias on chrisware.uk uh, which will include like Mastodon and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also I hang around in the Destination Linux network forums. So just go to the gaming section. Um, you don't need to seek out anything to do with the show. Just go to the gaming section. That'll be fine. I hang around there. Um, and if you've got any 
any opinions you would like to voice, any feedback on the show, uh, or just any thoughts on games in general, uh, please do feel free to to leave them there. Um, but thank you very much for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. I've been Chris Ware, and you have been listening to or possibly watching the Game Sphere. Toodaloo. <laughs>